1: are listening to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. I'm Stacy Oristano.
0: And I'm Derek Phillips.
1: And welcome to our first audience participation episode.
0: Woo! <laughs> fanfare, fanfare. Uh, if you haven't already, go check out our brand new website at www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. That's Clear eyes, full hearts, Pod. .com.
1: Visit the site and check out our merch store. Hey, we got merch. We got your merch here. We got your shirts. We got your coffee mugs. Oh, God, please don't fire me. We really do, though. We have merch at our store and also just information about the show. So check out our new website.
0: Yeah, you could buy that uh, nice little landing strip t-shirt for your grandmother. Ooh. That sounds Christmas like a wonderful little up. present. That's true. Now then, we asked you guys to send questions to our email address, Clear Pod at gmail.com. And you sent some great ones. So. Stacy, are you ready to dive in?
1: Are you ready to dive in? Can you even swim, Derek?
0: Yes, Stacy, I can swim.
1: Okay, here we go. Question 1. This is from Serena who is Serena Kathleen on Instagram and she asks, "What was each of your favorite parts about being on the show?"
0: Stacy, what was your favorite part about being on the show?
1: God. Okay, there's so there's so much about it. Like, my main thing that my brain keeps thinking about is the family that I gained. I know that sounds cheesy. I know everybody says that. But these people are still my family. Yeah. Like that's...
0: that's not cheesy to me. I, I mean, I agree with that 100%. You know, cheesy. I mean, look, on a very selfish, selfish level, like, I love acting. I love acting. And then on top of it, to get to be able to work with this kind of material, it's spectacular. So like when I say, what's my favorite part of of being on the show? Number one, I can pay my bills because of this show. I mean, Mm -hmm. you ask me, what's my favorite part? It's, It's hard to define that because it's all encompassing. It's the people I got to work with, the material I got to work with, the fact that I was able to pay my rent and pay my bills and be on this thing at the same time. I mean, up until this point, I was struggling every single day, every single week for 10 years Bartending, waiting tables, all kinds of odd jobs just to make a living. And so I'm finally at a place in my life because of this show where I was able to make a living, pay my bills, and get to work on material that I loved with people that I loved. So it's a huge, all encompassing answer. I mean, my favorite part of being on this show was literally every aspect of it. So
1: all of it. I yeah. agree. I, in the same way, in that I love acting so much. And there were times that I would be on set and I would, I think I would look at you and I'd be like, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. I used to do this for free. I would do community theater productions yeah. or like whatever my friends wanted me to do for either a small stipend or for no money. And the fact that they're paying me to do something that I love, again, sometimes I just pinch myself and feel like the luckiest person in the world.
0: I'm in the same place. Now, meanwhile, my manager and agent are listening to this with their hair on fire, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, Stacey and I both for years and years and years were doing theater where a lot of times you're not making hardly anything. And then sometimes you're not making anything at all and you're doing it because you love it. And so just the, the sense that we were able to get paid for this and to make a living doing this. I mean, it, there wasn't a day when we were doing this that I wasn't completely and totally thankful that I had this opportunity. I know yeah. that there are people that have said, you know, I didn't realize what we had when it was going on. And it was like, I realized every minute of every second what we had when it was going on. And I think some of that is because of the fact that I was 30 years old, 29 years old when I got this. And it spent 10 years busting my butt waiting tables. So I was very, very appreciative of this when it happened because I knew what it was to, to be on the other side of, of that.
1: I think if somebody asks us that question again in like eight weeks from now, we might have a different answer because there are so many favorite things about this whole thing. But yeah. OK, question two, D. Oh, yeah.
0: This one. So th- I'm going to ask this one. Question number two comes from someone that actually Stacey and I both know, a casting director in Los Angeles named Jeremy Gordon, who happens to be a friend as well as a colleague in business. Uh, he's calling himself on here our 12th man, which I love that. But Jeremy says, what are some ways that changed things for you that we wouldn't necessarily think about? So what are some ways that Friday Night Lights change things for you that we wouldn't necessarily think about? That's another one of those questions that has like, 20 different answers. I mean, I I can't even tell you. Every aspect of my life changed because of this show. I mean, I was living in Texas, first off, when I got the show. I now live in Los Angeles. I moved to Los Angeles after the first season of Friday Night Lights, specifically because of Friday Night Lights. I got my agent in LA because of Friday Night Lights. I got my manager in LA because of Friday Night Lights. I got pretty much every job that I've had since because of Friday Night Lights. Most of my friends in LA are because of Friday Night Lights. So that question is so wide ranging, whatever. I mean, the fact that I'm even still an actor is probably because of Friday Night Lights, because I was right before I got Friday Night Lights, I was actually in the process of slowly getting my real estate license. I don't know that I'd ever been able to do it, but I was in the process of running a theater company.
1: I know if I knew that. Yeah,
0: I was when I say studying to get my real estate license, I had signed up for a course and was like. I think over like six months, I'd maybe done like 20% of the course. That's how invested I was in selling real estate. I, I just had no desire, you know, and that's not a slight on people that are, are realtors. I just, I couldn't get the energy up to want to learn about it or to want to study. But I had, to, I had started taking a course in, in real estate to get my realtor license. And then Friday Night Lights came around. And from that point on, I've never looked back. And thank God I've been able to work as an actor ever since. And that's all I've, all I've ever really wanted. Pretty simple, is just to be able to make a living as an actor. And thank God, because of this show, I've been able to do that for the last 15 years.
1: So essentially, it changed every aspect yeah. of every faction of every part of your life. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. Exactly. The one thing that comes up when I think about this is it completely changed my style of acting because Mm -hmm. I studied classical theater in London and I've done musical theater my whole life. Musical theater is very broad and very big and very, very comedic. And I had to really learn to tear it down and go very, very simple and very, very small for the camera, which is something that my body was just not comfortable with. It wasn't a muscle that I had. And the biggest lessons I had in it were by watching other people. It was especially by watching Kyle and Connie and the woman who played my mother, Dana Wheeler Nicholson and watching how simple and how small what they were doing was. And honestly, I, I had questions at the time, like, can I do that? I don't, I don't know that that's a tool that I have. And hopefully, I think I I grew To I mean, still, I'm working on a on a show right now and the director came up to me and he's like, Stace, just less, just a little less. And I'm like, you know what? Not the first time I've gotten that direction.
0: Yeah. I, I, I struggle with that too, coming from a theater background. You know, that idea that are they going to be able to see? Him? And I think we discussed this in a previous episode about uh, Jeffrey Reiner coming up to me when I was looking mm-hmm. at Lila walking away. And it was just a... And We've also watched a couple episodes now, especially the early ones, where I'm like, oh, it's so big, Derek. Yeah. Take it down a notch. I feel like I can see that growth and change. And it happens even over the course of the first season. Mm-hmm. I noticed that yeah. I'm a little bit... Not, and I hate to use the word smaller. It's such a terrible word to use when you're talking about acting. Because there's still a ton of stuff going on. You're just not presenting it anymore. You're not showing not it anymore. showing. <laughs> yeah.
1: There were even times that I would do scenes with people... And I honestly, I, at first, because I didn't understand it, I was a little frustrated. I never said anything. I kept it internal because I was such like a smaller faction of the set. And I would be like, I can't hear you say your lines to me. Mm. And I got frustrated, but I was like, oh, after a while, I was like, oh, wait, you're being brilliant. Yeah. And I'm showing too much. So instead of me being frustrated, I was like, "Oh wait, you're doing your job."
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, I remember doing a production you. years ago. We did a production of The Winter's Tale, and I played uh, Florizel, which is like the young lover, and the girl I was working opposite from it's Perdita. And so we've got this scene, and it's this romantic. In real life, it would be a quiet scene; these two young lovers talking to each other. But the stage was carpeted, and it's a thrust stage, which means that part of the stage comes out into the audience. You know what I mean? So you've got a carpeted stage, a big, huge drape in the background. So basically, it's the hardest thing on the planet to work with as an actor, because everything that you say is muffled. And then you're in a 900-seat house. And so I'm having this very intimate scene with this woman, but I'm having to scream the whole entire thing, you know what I mean, as I'm doing this love scene. And it's like, that's the thing, is theater people are like, oh, yeah, but film and television, is it real? And it's like, that's real? Literally, I'm spitting on this person and I'm an inch away from them. That's not real. You wouldn't do that if you were having a private conversation with your your loved one. You wouldn't spit in their face screaming at the top of your lungs. And that's not real either. So there's, yeah, it's not real. It's odd that there's cameras everywhere and you got microphones hanging in your face and there's lighting equipment and a crew eating donuts in the background. But it's no more, I mean, there's a suspension of disbelief in both in both, in both art forms. So
1: I do this after, I think it was right. It might've been during season five or right after season five wrapped and they were doing a production of Funny Girl that was going to Broadway, which by the way, I never ended up going to Broadway, but I was auditioning for Fanny Bryce. I think I made it down to like the top six of the people to play Fanny Bryce. Guys, this was a lot, a while ago. I was younger and I remember going in Bartlett. Sure. I was the director and going in for another callback with them and doing, I had been on camera for so long. I hadn't done any theater. And it was either Cornet Man or Don't Rain on My Parade that I sang, and I sang it, and I was like there in a piano in a big rehearsal room, and at the end I had big, big arms because I hit that note. And Bartlett goes, Stacy, you sound great. What's with the big arms?" And I was like, "I'm so sorry. I'm just so happy to be doing this right now. I'm so sorry. I'll take it down." Question three, this is from Taylor Harris. What's the funniest fan interaction you've had since being on the show? Take it away.
0: I've got one. And the funny thing is it's not even, this person wasn't even a fan of the show, but the story itself, I'm sitting there one day, there was a bar that we used to go to in Los Angeles called the Belmont. And this is right at the peak of Friday Night Lights popularity. And there are times when I'm out with my friends that someone will come over and be like, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. Can I get a picture? And yeah, I mean, Stacey, you've been there when you used to go to the Belmont with us. And there were multiple times where Stacey and I would be sitting there and someone would come up and be like, I'm so sorry to bother you. Can I get a picture with you? Stacey and I would 100% get up, take a picture. But I'm sitting there one day with one of our producers on the show right now, Steve Walters. And our friend DJ, who you know, Stacy. and just mm-hmm. a little backstory here. DJ is the one person on the planet you don't want to do anything embarrassing in front of because <laughs> he will never let you live it down. You're going to spend it's the rest true. of your life hearing about it. And he's going to love that this story is being repeated. But I'm sitting there with DJ and Steve. And this woman comes over and she goes, I'm so sorry to bother you. Can, can you take a picture? And I was like, of course. And I get up and I put my arm around her and she backs off and she goes, what are, you, what are you doing? And I go, you wanted a picture. And she goes, no, I, I wanted a picture. I wanted you to take a picture of my friends and I. And, like, I turn around, and there's, like, three girls at a table. And she wanted me to come take a picture of them. Oh I thought God. she wanted a picture with me. And, of course, DJ hears this. And DJ was like, oh, my God, this is spectacular. I mean, he's never been happier in his life. And I'm reminded of this probably monthly, maybe weekly, mm-hmm. but probably monthly about the time that I tried to get my picture taken with some random girl who was probably devastated and like, why is this guy putting his arm around me? Why? Yeah. So yeah, that was embarrassing. I don't know if it was a funny fan interaction because this woman still to this day is like, who's that weirdo that tried to put his arm around?
1: Me? Remember that guy that tried to catch me? The time There's something about the wording of it though, in, can I, can I get a picture? Can I have a picture? Instead of like, will you take a picture for us? Do you know what yeah, I mean?
0: Yeah, and I, who knows? I was probably just hearing it the wrong way completely and totally, just assuming that everyone wanted a picture with... <laughs> who doesn't
1: want who a doesn't picture? Who doesn't want a
0: picture with yours truly? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I felt like such a jackass though.
1: I, uh, most of my, what I will call, again, I don't know if they're fans or not, but here's the question that I get the most. And it's, I know you. I know you. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. And they're like, I think I went, <sighs> did we go to school together? And I'm like, yeah. no. I like I don't know how to help you. Cause I'm so afraid that I would be like, Well, I mean, did you ever watch Friday Night Lights? And they'd be like, No. And then it would be like, Oh, hey, James, we totally went to school together and I'm a jerk. So I'm always afraid to when it's just like, I know you. But one time I was uh shooting a movie with my friend Stephen Coletti in Louisiana, and we went out to a bar one night. And these like drunk frat bros on the other side of the bar kept screaming at us. It's Laguna Beach and Billy's wife. Laguna Beach and Billy's wife. And we both were like, we have names. Like at least call me Mindy. But they only could think of that. He was on Laguna Beach and I was Billy's wife. And I was like. This is my life. That's better than what
0: happened. So I got another one too. I was in Italy and this girl comes up to me and she's like hyperventilating. She's like, oh my God, can can I get a picture with you? Can I get a picture with you? I'm like, of course, of course. Calm down, calm down. So we're standing there and we go to take a selfie and I take the selfie and she's like, what are you doing in Italy? This is so crazy. Thank you so much for taking the picture. I'm like, not a problem. And she goes, I love CSI. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I love CSI. And I go, oh yeah, I'm not George Eads." I've gotten George Eads before, and I don't have know if you our really? viewers. Yeah, she thought I, I was Justin George Ch- Eads, which like, was kind of crazy. Before,
1: before I, I, got. I would see if people would confuse you with Justin Chambers from Grey's Anatomy. You guys are very similar. I could to see
0: me. that. I could see that. But yeah, the George Eads one. I think it's that we both have oversized necks. It's
1: never a thing that I thought of when I looked at you. Just both
0: have big necks, and that's all people see. Those big necks, that's boys. all people see when they look at me. Stacy It's just an As oversized neck. I'm five foot eight, and I got a sixteen inch neck. That's not normal. People I don't should. Know what yeah, it's not. It's not a good thing, Stacey. Are. Look it up.
1: All right, next question. Got trouble with your dress shirt? Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> True story. I was doing a production okay. of, of Mice and uh, Men years ago. This one. This one's you. Oh, I was going to say real quick though about the size of my neck. I was doing a production of, of Mice <laughs> and Men like years and years ago, and the guy who plays Lenny was like six foot eight. Guess how big his neck was?
1: Not sixteen inches.
0: Not sixteen inches. That's messed up. I'm 5'8". I shouldn't have a 16-inch neck. Anyway, um, next question. Did, did, go ahead. Okay. No, it's you. <laughs> oh, it's me? Oh, all right. Oh, okay. This is a good one. This one comes from Brady Croft. And Brady Croft wants to know, did you do anything to prepare for your roles? <laughs> Stacy, did you go strip at a strip club to prepare for your role?
1: To be fair... Yes, I did. When the show got me lessons, I didn't. When notice. we started actually shooting a lot in the in the landing strip, mm-hmm. I'm going to save that story for later. I have a story about the first time I ever had to dance on the show, but when we get to that episode, I'll tell that story. But I had never. So the the background actors when we were at the landing strip are actually girls that work there and they're incredibly gracious and incredibly nice. And they did teach me how to give a lap dance and how to give a lap dance in a way that would be sustainable and TV-friendly like if I had to do it throughout a whole scene. So I got lap dance lessons. And then also, do you remember you and I also got dance lessons? Yeah. It was you, me, Taylor Kitchen, Adrian Palicki. And we got to go to the Broken Spoke by ourselves. And they gave us two-step and lessons.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember that well. That was fun. Yeah, that was like the only preparation I think I did for this show. <laughs> Look, the, the reality is there's a lot of, when I booked this, there were a lot of similarities between who I was and who Billy Riggins was. Mm-hmm. I played football in high school. I know what it is to, to, to have that kind of taken away from you to I loved football. I remember when I was going into acting school, we had a professor that would say, if there's anything else you could do tomorrow, what would it be? And I was like, I'd be a football player. But that was that ship sailed. Look, as I said before, I'm five foot eight. Even with my 16-inch neck, with the 16-inch inch neck. <laughs> they weren't gonna let me. I had a 16-inch neck, but I was still slow and short and not strong. So that in and of itself <laughs> prevented me from playing college ball but I loved football. And when that was taken away from me, I remember what that felt like. And so when I actually auditioned for Friday Night Lights, my audition scene was the scene that they used from the movie that Tim McGraw did. So that was what I auditioned with. This idea that like life isn't going to get any better because football was everything. And there was there was definitely a part of me at 18 years old when football was taken away from me, like a part of my life had ended because I played football from the time I was seven years old to the time I was 18, and all of a sudden, it was like, what do I do in the fall? What, who am I if I'm not a football player? All that stuff. So there, there were a lot of similarities between, I think, who I was and who Billy was.
1: And you have brothers.
0: Yeah, yeah. All that.
1: So you didn't, you didn't take lap dance lessons?
0: I did not take lap dance lessons. That was something that, oddly enough, the producers did not offer. And surprisingly, <laughs> Stacy, I'm surprised that you didn't offer to give me lap dances I with did not. Your lessons.
1: I did not. I am sorry. Okay, here's this next question. It's from Charlie. Everyone in the entire world knows my answer to this question, but it is, what is your favorite television show besides Friday Night Lights?
0: Derek, you can answer
1: for me even. West Wing. West Wing. I've Uh. probably seen seasons one through six, 20 times through. Season seven, probably like five. It's not my favorite.
0: Stacy loves West Wing. We, we knew this. I mean, don't you remember we were talking about uh, WG Snuffy Walden very early mm-hmm. on? I think it was like the second episode, and we were talking about how he created the music for West Wing, and Stacy tried to take us on a West Wing tangent for like 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and I had to remind her that this is not a West Wing podcast. This is it's a Friday Night Lights. It's not going to be the last
1: time that happened. <sighs>
0: Sorry. What's next? See, I don't know. No, I want to. Oh, that's right. I got to answer this. I don't know if
1: I know your favorite show. Oh, man, I
0: got to. I, I don't know that I can narrow it down to one.
1: <sighs> I know. I know. Uh, Go for it. No, I know two. Okay. I would say Deadwood and The Wire. Am I wrong?
0: The wire's up there. The Wire is definitely up there. I don't know that Deadwood is up there anymore for me that way. I, I love Deadwood, though. Don't get me wrong. But man, I just rewatched Sopranos. I actually just saw the Sopranos uh, movie last night. I think if you're a diehard Sopranos fan and you know the show backwards and forwards, you'll probably wind up digging the Sopranos movie. I think if you haven't rewatched the show in a while, you're going to be like, what was that? What was that? But Sopranos, I love Sopranos. The Wire, man, I, I know it's cliche, but the first five seasons of Game of Thrones, I think are spectacular. I, Do you, would you rewatch Game of Thrones? It's tough because I, it's not that I don't like the way Game of Thrones ended. I love Game of Thrones. I think it's I brilliant. It. The only thing I don't like is I feel like that last season was rushed and I don't think I'm alone in that. It's just but not a show man, I,
1: I want to I, I live through again, but I loved it Oh, the, I, I, time.
0: I would say every single season that Game of Thrones would shoot a season, then we'd have like a, a year off or two years off or whatever. i would rewatch the whole season or the whole show up until that point. So yes, I think had Game of Thrones ended a little stronger, I would have been there. And as I said before, mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't unhappy with the way it ended in terms of the way the stories were tied up. I was just upset with the expediency, if that's even the proper wordage, the speed with which it wrapped up. I would have like... It was
1: also the time that we got to go to the Emmys when we were nominated for best show, and Game of Thrones beat us out. So
0: that's so true. Bad. But you know what was really weird about that at the time too is I remember going up to George R. R. Martin at the time and being like, "Dude, I love your show," and it was obvious that at that point, no one knew who any of these people were. Yeah, I mean, Jon Snow was over in a corner by himself. And I was like, hey, dude, I love your show. And he was like, oh, thank you so much. Like, like, no one knew that show at that point in time. It was after the first season. It came out and it was very popular. But it was not like a household name at that point. I still think that it was kind of flying under the radar. And, well, uh, Jon Snow ain't going anywhere these days without getting recognized. But back then, he, <laughs> was, he was a loner at the Emmys, a rebel. A rebel. <laughs> okay, uh,
1: this next one's on you.
0: Oh, okay, here we go. This one's from Tiffany. And she says, what was the most surprising thing to happen to your character during the series?
1: Getting pregnant, I guess. It was I'm not gonna lie, a little nice to not have to worry about being in costumes at the landing strip for a while. I got to I got to eat some chocolate and (laughs) put on a fake belly. And that was nice.
0: (laughs) I think, well, getting married, I think that I didn't see that That storyline coming. So that was a little bit of a shock in a good way, right? Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) Are you going to say it was a shock in a good way too?
1: A shock in a good way. Okay. I, listen, every after every time I wrapped filming, I was like, well, that's it. I'm done with Friday Night Lights because I, I didn't know if ever I was coming back. And then I was like, wait, you're giving me more. Exactly. That's what's wrong with you. I
0: think that was also something that Stacey and I have talked about the fact that we weren't on contracts, So we didn't know what our storylines were going to be from week to week. And we didn't know what was going. So but when we found out we're getting married, it's like, well, if we're getting married, they got to kind of keep us around. Right. That means they've got some you know story they? that they want to tell. So that whole entire, was it season three? Three. Season three, yeah. yeah. Where it's like the courtship and the proposal and...
1: And humbling yourselves at the seven senoritas. Yes,
0: all that stuff. And then the wet like all that was kind of surprising. I think also there was a, a big twist when Billy and Tim stole the copper wire. Uh, Gosh, that one was a big, whoa, I didn't see that coming kind of thing. But then also Billy becoming a coach. I didn't see that coming.
1: That's a bit, that's the biggest, I think.
0: Yeah. But all those. Yeah, and I love I loved that they gave us those opportunities. I love that Billy got that. I mean, both of us, from where our characters start and where our characters end, you oh, kind of end with... full arc.
1: Full arc redemption. Yeah, me with Becky at the end. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Beautiful. Okay, you ready? Question seven.
0: This is a great one.
1: Chris Burke in Austin wants to know, what were some fun things about filming in Austin? What wasn't a fun thing about filming in Austin?
0: <laughs> Seriously, I remember days where we'd be shooting. And you know, Stacey, that our days on set, a lot of times when you're on a set, it can be 12, 14, 15 hour days. That's what a shooting day usually is. I mean, most days on a, on a set are about 10 to 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Friday Night Lights, it, it was usually like eight hour days. We would shoot six pages and do eight hours, which is kind of unheard of, guys. Very fast. Uh, But Taylor Kitch and I would, like, jokingly show up to set at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning and be like, hey, hurry up with this scene. We got to get out of here. We got a boat to get on at, like, noon. And we'd literally, like, we'd shoot two scenes and then be out on the lake. That's absurd. And we were joking with our crew, but, like, at the same time, we weren't joking. We're like, seriously, though, like, let's step on it. Mm -hmm. We want to get to the lake.
1: Let's get to it.
0: But yeah, I mean, uh, going out on Lake Austin, all the amazing restaurants in Austin, the live music in Austin, the bar scene mm-hmm. in Austin, we were, Stacy and I were, were down there a couple months back. I don't drink anymore. So we were out at the bars and, and it made me miss that time when we were younger. Because there was one bar that we walked in and they were having, walked by, you remember this Stace, like two months ago, and they were having like some kind of foam party. It was like some kind oh, of clown and the, like, we looked Oh, uh, Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. It's like and I remember at the time, for I'm 40 now. F- yeah, I'm 45 years old. And I remember looking in there going, "Ugh, that looks awful. I have no desire to do that now. But
1: especially also, it was still but, like in pandemic. And I was like, oh, yeah. so many germs. going around But I do remember thinking,
0: man, it would be so fun to be 29 years old and go to that bar. Like, I don't want to go to Absolutely. that bar at 45, but I would love to be 29 years old and young and full of energy and go do all that stuff again because it was just i mean every day was an adventure every day kitch and i had motorcycles we'd go out on epic like bike rides all throughout the hill country mm-hmm. i mean it was just footloose and fancy free i mean
1: it was fancy free there was a, a bar that we could pay, play volleyball at that a yeah. lot of the cast went to you could go to barton springs and just the Oh, yeah. the barbecue.
0: Barbecue, Mexican food, Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex. Yeah. Here's one thing Austin. I don't miss about oh. Austin, Texas. The heat.
1: I'm from Texas. It never bothered me. I live in New England now and I miss it. I, it's always just been in my blood. I,
0: it's, I grew up in Miami. Look, I, I'm used to it, but I, uh, I'm not used to it anymore. It's like when I get off a plane yeah. and I go visit my folks in Miami, it's like the minute I get off, I'm like, oh, I can't deal with this humidity. And in Texas, it's it's not, especially like where we were shooting in Austin, it wasn't so much humid as it was just a dry heat. There were days on the football field where it was like 112 degrees. And I don't miss that. I think that's just part of getting old, though, for me. Like, I'm like, ah, I like it comfortable. I like to be comfortable 24-7. I
1: like to be comfortable and not covered in foam in public. <laughs>
0: I would love to go to that phone party. Oh, man. Next time I'm in Austin, I'm going to that phone party. It reminds me of a story of where Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons was way younger than me, but we were buddies. And Jesse mm-hmm. called me up one night. This is like the last season of the show. Jesse, I think, was probably 22 at the time. I was probably 34. And uh, Jesse called me up and he was like, hey, man, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. Just sitting here, uh, sitting at home. He's like, you want to go grab a drink? And I was like, yeah, why not? So Jesse and I go to some bar in Austin. Jesse gets a text message about a party. And he's like, "You want to? hey, I just got a text message. You want to come to this party with me? And I was like, yeah, why not? So we end up going to this party. Well, it turns out it's a UT party. Nope, absolutely University not. of Texas, which means it's all like 18, 19, 20-year-olds. And I walk in and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I can't be here. And Jesse's like, why? And I go, Jesse, I'm 34 years old, man. You know how weird I feel being at a party with, with a bunch of 20-year-olds? He's like, it's not weird. Mm-hmm. I go, it's weird, dude. I gotta get out of here, so I left. But yeah, that was—I don't know what my point was with that story, but just random nights in Austin.
1: Well, you don't want to be the Matthew McConaughey and dazed and confused.
0: (laughs) Exactly, and that's what I felt like. But I felt so old and creepy, and I'm like, I gotta get out of here. This is not normal to be at a party when you're 34 years old with a bunch of Jesse. I love you.
1: Have fun. Goodbye. Yeah,
0: I'm sure you had a great time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I think that's it for this first. Audience interaction episode.
0: Yeah, that was really, really fun. Actually, I was uh, coming into this a little, little scared, a little unsure of what we were going to talk about. So this is she this was, is great. Guys. Uh, I had a good time, and once again,
1: I'm glad.
0: You know, Stacy, I'm a I'm a negative Nelly, and sometimes I need uh, to be pushed into these into these situations I, in order for my comfort. I will push comfort. and prod you. Thank you, but yeah, I had a great time. So join us next time, guys. We're going to talk about episode five of Friday Night Lights, aka "Get Her Done." And until then, clear eyes,
1: full hearts, can't lose, can't lose, <laughs> can't lose. <laughs> Clear Eyes Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions.
0: Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions.
1: Our producer is Miranda Parham.
0: Send your questions to Pod at gmail.com.
1: Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram.
0: And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram.
1: And check out our websites, ClearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence. 13.com and blackbarrelmedia.com.
0: Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.